Hey, hey, what's good, everyone? You're back on Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. With me, the host, Max Bowen. And for this episode, it's a doubleheader, as I head over to LA, well, virtually at least, to talk to two amazing artists. First up, it's Juliana Joy, who's released a number of new singles recently, including Palindrome, Spirits, and Don't Come to LA. We talk a lot about the very personal stories in those songs. We also talk about the music industry as it is today, and the change needed to ensure the artists get their fair share. You know, I want to start with, I think, the big news that a lot of musicians are kind of um, uh, celebrating and prepping for, which is that shows are returning. Uh, We're seeing uh, shows um, happening all over the place right now. But I want to ask you about, like, what's your take on this? Are you making, like, any plans for getting back on stage? I'm praying right now. Um, COVID makes me very nervous. So I'm kind of, I'm hoping that, Somehow next summer I'll be on tour. That's the goal for me right now. And like the, you know, I have like a next five year plan. Next summer I'm supposed to be touring. That's my goal. But that's all under the notion that everybody gets vaccinated and, you know, stays safe and that the vaccine continues to be effective with the people who still refuse to take it. (laughs) (laughs) until the last minute i honestly i can't understand it i got the vaccine in march and i was happy and i was like this is the greatest i don't have to like worry about killing other people and there's so many people who are like i don't believe that (laughs) dude just go get vaccinated exactly (laughs) it's uh, okay for anyone who's actually worried that this thing will actually let the government survey you guess what they already know where you are they just don't care i know it's like your phone if you have life 360 your phone knows where you are at all times like (laughs) your phone even my phone yeah like even if you press the power button three times suddenly you send an emergency signal they know like (laughs) trust me on this i think you're fine (laughs) exactly exactly it's like what are what do you have to hide that's what (laughs) i always wonder it's like i'm like okay so you're so worried about the what are you hiding then? Exactly. What, 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 <laughs> you know? what don't you want them to see, dude? What you don't want them to see? Yeah, it's it's a little sus to me. I don't I don't know. It's it's definitely it's definitely weird times we live in. Weird times. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. So, um, back when all this happened, were you like actively like doing shows and touring? I wasn't. So I actually had just graduated high school. Um, so I was in like a bunch of, um, because I have, let's, let's start from eighth grade. So in eighth grade, I had a really traumatic injury in both of my knees that basically took away my ability to like do anything but walk, which is, yeah, it's crazy. I still, sometimes I think about it and I'm like, that's so weird. Cause it doesn't affect me on the daily because I never really ran in the first place, but it's like. You know, sometimes I'll have that random moment and be like, wow, I do kind of count as like someone who is a little bit physically disabled, but I never like think about it that way. Um, and so in high school, I always was in like management roles or director roles in the music programs instead. So if I couldn't perform, at least I was like 
the big like brain behind it. And I have synesthesia. So that was like the perfect thing for me was like, okay, like I learned, I learned how to play bass for, um, we did Chicago, like my junior year. So I learned bass for that. And so I was just like, I don't know, like, it was just a really fun experiment worth like, like being a songwriter, like doing it from all angles. And then when I moved out here, I had like texted my friends at USC and was like, Hey, like, let's start practicing, rehearsing. Like I want to do shows all summer. COVID's not like a big deal. Like I think it'll be done in April. And then, then I think it was like the middle of May where I was like, guys, I I'm sorry. Like I'm not pushing this anymore. I'm like canceling it indefinitely. Like this is, we can't make this work. Nothing's open. Like I'm too afraid to see anybody. Like it was just, it was bad. I survived obviously, but I, I don't know. I wish I was doing shows at that point. Cause then I'd have something to like go back and like be excited for. But at the same time, I'm also super excited to get to the point of, of safety where, where big shows can, you know, be a thing. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, what for you is like, uh, the threshold for which you feel safe actually getting on stage and doing shows? Like, Yeah, I think everything lifted and like, I would say 85% and up of people vaccinated to the point where it's like, the only people who are really unvaccinated are babies who like can't and other people who like literally medically can't take something like that. You know, that's, I think that's the point I would like to get to just to feel safe or for Pfizer to put through their third shot. Cause I got, I got Pfizer. And if I got the third shot, I'd be like, okay, I'll do shows, whatever. <laughs> I got a Moderna shot, but I would love to get the Pfizer shot too. Just like double up, you know, give me all the shots guys. Come on. Give me all get, <laughs> give the, the, the whole set. We can do a vaccine party. It's just everybody, <laughs> everybody <laughs> takes one shot at a time. <laughs> that doesn't sound safe at all. No, at, <laughs> not in the slide. Totally We're not advocating safe. this, folks. Okay, we're all. not advocating Don't do this. Don't get more shots. So, medical professionals. Exactly. Go to medical <laughs> professionals. Not Don't me. listen to us. We have no idea what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, man. Now, um, a couple things you mentioned that I want to ask a little more about. Uh, you mentioned doing the uh, the management stuff in high school. Do you think that that really helped like prepare you for the more like business side of being a musician? Definitely. I feel like I figured out a lot more about the music industry way younger than most of the people around me. Um, which is like a really interesting thing to go through because nobody else at my age at this point in the music industry is like this far, if that makes sense. Like my boyfriend's also in the music industry, but we're at very different levels because he just started writing a few years ago where I'd been writing since I was like nine. So I got like really intense with it right away. And so I would say like, it's definitely super interesting, like being 19 fresh out of high school writing in this industry because it's it's so different than anything I feel like I'll ever experience because you know I'm only 19 once and the fact that I'm doing all of this right now it's like it's what Hannah Montana basically was saying (laughs) like I feel like I'm totally living a double life because I'm doing all this cool stuff but I can't talk about it and it's like (laughs) 
I just have like my childhood fantasy was being a musician. So it's like I wanted to do everything. If that makes sense. Like I wanted to do everything to make sure I could get here. So doing the management stuff, doing the director stuff, doing all the songwriting, coming out here in high school, like doing everything that was within my limits of like <laughs> work ethic. I basically was like, I'm gonna do it. Nice. Yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like for some, for some artists, they, they only want to do music. They don't they really want to do the, uh, the paperwork and the taxes and the, all the other stuff that you have to do to be this like independent person. So I think it's kind of cool that you kind of like had all of, uh, all of that knowledge already going into this. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I was literally just told today that I was like, um, like so different than any other 19 year old they'd met because I actually like figured out organization. <laughs> like I was like, that's the funniest compliment I've ever received because I felt like that was like the most like inaccurate thing about me. Like I was like, I feel like I'm so unorganized. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. But it's like this whole other part of being this like indie artist that most people don't think about. Like, yes, you have to do all these things. You have to do your own marketing your own uh, promotions, there are all these, all these like different like pieces. Did you feel like that that gave that they helped you avoid any major like pitfalls, especially as you were like meeting folks in the industry? Yeah, I feel like I definitely have avoided some oh. like iffy stuff, and I feel like I've been able to create such like a powerful team around me and meet so many incredible people who either work for me or just I've met like once or twice and it's like I don't know everybody's so nice and so friendly and I've never felt like I couldn't be here you know like I've always felt like I fit in with everybody I've ever worked with mm -hmm. which is it's so nice because I never felt that way before joining the industry <laughs> now uh you also mentioned that um you have uh synesthesia basically when you uh, see sounds and hear colors, right? Yeah. So weird. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just wanted to say it's very weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did that like affect you when you were uh, pursuing music? Yeah. So I first figured it out um, in freshman year of high school because I went to Grammy camp, um, which is a music camp held at the USC Thornton School. Um that's like found, uh, I think it's funded by the Grammy Foundation. I'm not sure if it's the museum or the foundation, but it's one of the two. And um, through that camp, I met um, Jenna Holiday, who's now Mercy Killer. And she also has synesthesia. And as she was explaining it to me, I was kind of like, wait, like, that's not normal. <laughs> and she was like, no. And I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that that I have synesthesia that's so cool and so the moment I kind of like realized it I like started studying it more and like I don't know when I notice something about myself I get like super intimate with that trait so like the moment I figured out I had synesthesia like I started making playlists based on it and I like started like studying like why the alphabet in my head is like affecting the color of words to me and it was like very strange I don't know <laughs> And it, it definitely came into play when I started writing music seriously and like getting really good at it was like being able to hear the whole song and what I expected from it color wise. 
and feeling wise, like that was just such a like key point of writing music, especially writing cherries. Like that was the first record I'd ever really written where synesthesia was like the main center around like how I did the production. Oh, cool. Really? So, so, uh, do you uh, write like all your music with your, um, condition in mind, knowing what's going to happen? Yeah. Like kind of. So I read a lot of books and so I usually start with lyrics first because I always, I always think of myself as a writer more than like a singer, if that makes sense. Like if I, I'm not singing on the song that's okay I just want the song to be at least written out um and so writing music has always been such a cool process with synesthesia because it's the colors that I see is so like it's so intricate and understanding like what direction I want to go in based on feeling and scenes I've seen in literature or movies or like even my real life like I'm able to tell all of it in that way because I've spent so much time like with it. It's super, it's super interesting. And I love explaining the process to other people because it's like, I don't know, like I just, I think I'm crazy, but <laughs> like other people have their ways of writing, but I'm always like, mine is probably like, I'm like, I think I'm pretty cool for the way I write. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I, I can see this being, and I know I know like nothing about it beyond like the very basic definitions, but I could see this being like a real like crippling thing for a musician. Yeah, the sensory overload is so intense sometimes um, to the point where I'm like literally my ADHD. Like I feel like sometimes I have like severe ADHD, but then I just remember that it's literally my synesthesia, and like I also have PTSD because of my injury. So it's like always those two things mixing together. And it's, it's like, she's always foggy up there a little bit, but like, I'm always here, you know, like I'm always understanding what's going on, but it's definitely, it's a very strong condition. And I've seen so many people be like, yeah, like I, I want that so bad. Like, I think I have it. It's like, sometimes I hate it. Like sometimes I'll be reading and I'll see an image or like, even when I'm talking, I see flashes of light in my head and I'm like, this is awful. Like, it's like, it's cool. Like, it's a cool thing to have. And I definitely brag about it. But at the same time, it's like, it sucks. (laughs) It sucks on some days where you're just like, dude, I have to focus. Like, I don't need to be thinking about the color blue every single time the word the comes by. Like, it's, (laughs) it's not great. (laughs) No, no, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Given this, do you have to do any kind of like prep to do something uh, like play live, knowing what's going to happen? Smoke a joint. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that really allows my synesthesia to like chill out, um, which is nice because then it allows me to like focus in on it. So when I'm performing, like I just kind of like let my body do whatever it wants and then have fun with it and just do the music. I don't know. I always think of Lord when I think of live performance and like the coolest live performance ever is like watching her perform um, Yellow Flicker Beat. I can't remember at what uh, concert that was, but it was like insane. And everyone was like, this is stupid. And I was like, no, it's not. It's like, 
like everybody needs to take a step back and just look at it because it's so good (laughs) (laughs) nice nice (laughs) all right all right so speaking of music, you've been releasing quite a few new things uh, recently. Um, a little earlier this year, you put out uh, Spirits and uh, Don't Come to yes. LA. I absolutely love that song. That was so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, now, my take on this, and I've been wrong before, it'll happen again, but it, it kind of okay. sounds like this is a story of a relationship that fell apart, whether friendship or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So... The relationship, the song actually came from this guy that I had dated for two years, like on and off. We were never really on, but we were never really off either. It was very strange. Um, And he had gotten a girlfriend in like, I want to say August of 2020, my senior year. No, my junior year. He was a senior. And he lived in Boston. That's a very important thing. Um, so we were like long distance. And so we were like always talking about like, would it work? And then we're like, no. So then we were like, okay, let's move on. But then never really stopped talking. Um, and then in December of 2020, he basically told me that him and the girlfriend had broken up. And I had just been broken up with after like dating a guy for like eight months. And um basically he cheated on her with me and lied to me and said yeah and said that he didn't break up with her and because I I stalked her visco because he was one of his friends had told me that he was with somebody and I was like okay that's expected I, I don't know I guess and it was the girlfriend that he had been dating since like August prior and then he was like you can't tell her and so I was like okay and then I was like I don't want to talk to you anymore like we're done I'm not gonna tell her I was stupid I should have totally told her the moment it happened but I didn't tell her until recently and then things fall apart it was so bad (laughs) but basically in the fallout of that he wrote a song called come to LA which was a song about me basically being like, I want to come out there. I want to figure it out. And I actually, I was filming, um, I was in a session when he sent me that and I was with Teddy Geiger and we were like, I played it for her. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Like you have a girlfriend, like go home. (laughs) And so I didn't like really build on that concept until july because or sorry not july i think i wrote it in april yeah i wrote it in april and so i announced it in like may and i was like i was like so excited for it to come out and i was like i wrote it because his girlfriend like started posting about me on her visco again and i was like dude (laughs) no one cares (laughs) like i don't know I, I hate being in middle school drama. I'm like, I know I'm better than that, but at the same time, I'm also like, like, dude, it's okay. Like, I, what am I going to do from here? Tell me. <laughs> I love the uh, the response here. So, like, he writes a song saying, let's work it out, and your song is basically, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was with my friend, uh, Chris and Callie Ann in April, like, basically explaining this concept to them. 
as I was like going through the footage and they were like no yeah let's do that and so we just kind of played a guitar loop and wrote the whole song based off of a loop and melody lines it was like so cool because the song came so organically because I was like that's like I was like that's the last song I'm gonna write about him like I'm over it like don't come here don't talk to me it's over here that's it (laughs) I think this is the musical equivalent of the couple arguing in the parking lot yeah no it gives me the same energy as like Taylor Swift and John Mayer in 2010 um but I like I kind of want to like just be over that stage because it's boring I like I'm like it's no it's no longer fun for me to be like all excited about it you Mm -hmm. know like now I'm like that was so annoying that was so terrible like I wasted so much time it was so dumb yeah so are are you the kind of person that like dwells on what came before or do you like to be like just like no it happens yeah oh you are yeah (laughs) I am totally a dweller I sometimes I'll like randomly cry over things that happened like years ago like one time my mom got me a pair of tights and I felt so bad that I didn't like them and I had a full-on breakdown about it and every time I think about it I like still cry about it now like it's like if I think hard enough about it (laughs) that happened in seventh grade (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah so I was I was very yes the answer is yes I'm a dweller I get you I get you (laughs) So it sounds also like a lot of your personal life has come like into your music, you know. Um, but um, in spirits, I like the ending where you uh, say, "Here lies caring for someone ended uh, going nowhere." Was that yeah. also kind of a um, a reference to the past relationship? Yeah, it was basically just about like it was about the same person. And I was like, these songs have to be released together because it's like side A and side B of the same story. Like, I'm like, I'm happy that it's over. Now, never talk to me again. Like, (laughs) at the same time, like, you were so mean to me and I'm still kind of upset about it because I never got to tell you off about it. Here's me telling you off. And then me being like, but I'm going to be the bigger person. (laughs) It's like, it was like, it was the perfect, confusing combination (laughs) i like it i like it do you ever get that moment where you're writing a song that is a very personal thing and you think hmm do i actually want to say this to the entire planet yes i had that moment a few weeks ago um i'm working on my next record right now and there was a song i'd written in march of 2020 um like right in the beginning of uh the pandemic like right after I went through like a very serious relationship, um, like ending. And I was in the studio recently with it. And I literally looked up at, um, D the guy I'm working with and I was like, I don't think I want to do this. And he was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't think I, I think I'm done. And so it's a cool moment when you have that moment though with songwriting is like if the song meant that much to you to the point where you literally move on from feeling it, it's like, that was, that was a really cool moment for me emotionally. Cause I was like, yeah, I really did grow past that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I also think it's kind of like healthy that you don't write about it. Cause it's like, like you said, that sign that, you know what? It needs to be in the past. I don't want to revisit every time my album plays. Yeah, exactly. It's like, 
I don't want three years from now for me to be performing a song with that much emotion still about somebody who was in my life three years ago, but isn't anymore. It's yeah. Yeah. Writing about relationships when you're in one and it's a long-term one is also very weird. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, my boyfriend and I are, we are like nine months in now and we're like, okay, like this is long-term. I want this. And then writing music about each other and, feeling everything all the time and trying to communicate as like two creative people is very strange. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do the two of you ever uh, work together on projects? Yeah, we're actually developing his artist project right now. Um, He's a student at CSUN, um, but we are currently working on his first EP, which we, I think we're going to call housewife, but we haven't decided when it's going to come out. Um, we're just going to try to develop a bunch of songs for it and then try to piece some together that sound really good and put it out. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. All right. Now, um, as we mentioned earlier, you are in L.A., but you didn't but, uh, you didn't start there. You grew up in like the suburbs of Indiana, Illinois. You are in Chicago for a while. You went out to L.A. That's a heck yeah, of pretty like a tra- much. That's a heck of like a travel route. <laughs> Yeah, I think I counted. We lived in like five houses when I was a kid. Wow. We moved. Yeah, we moved a lot. Um, But I never minded it. I always, I'm like, I'm never someone who wants to stay for very long. (laughs) Do you think? (laughs) Like, I love LA, but I might leave soon. Uh, Staying in LA or is this more of another like short term stop for you? I think my hope is to move to Malibu. So just go a little bit more north. Okay. Um, But that's under the impression that my music goes the way I want it to. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't, you know, I've also thought about just doing New York for a year and then coming back or something like that. But all of it's just solely based on COVID and what decisions I can make or what I can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why do you think you are that way? Why do you think you're the kind of person who enjoys the constant relocation? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I write better every time I go. <laughs> every single time I'm on vacation, I always start writing something really cool, like in the middle of it. And then I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go home. And then I'm like, I'm always like, why don't I just go on really short vacations? So I get to that point and then I go immediately home <laughs> so yeah. I can go write more cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been for you being in in because I know that like they're like a lot of folks go out there thinking this will be like me like making my dream come true and hitting the big time and all that jazz and it works sometimes and sometimes they kind of they come home in like a few months. Yeah, it's definitely. I've had a couple friends like move here and then have to move home like within two and three months because it just got too expensive. I mean, the rent prices out here are really insane, and I'm very very lucky to be in this position. And it it's it sucks so much that like the music industry doesn't have a lot of like protection in California in terms of like how much songwriters get paid versus just like artists. Um, not saying that artists and songwriters don't get paid, of course they do, but the amount of work that goes into writing music, I mean, it's a month's project, and it's not the same. It's it's at the same level as like movie production and music video production and TV production. But I just feel like there's not enough 
um, grounds and protecting it. So unfortunately, so many people have to move home and or get stuck in other positions. So I've been very fortunate to be in this position, but there's also way more that could be done to create an infrastructure that allows for for more musicians to stay. <laughs> I definitely agree with that because here in Massachusetts, we have the same problem. You know, like um, Boston is kind of where you go to make your career happen, but it is so damned expensive to live there. So folks have to get so like one, two jobs to make ends meet, and then they find time to rehearse. Like when they find the time, they may play once uh, every couple months. And like you said, there really isn't any kind of a support system in place to sort of help artists out so that they don't have to work their asses off just to pay their rent and then play too. It's it's a rough situation. It's it's so unfortunate too because when you really think about it, the entertainment industry. This is my argument forever. If I ever have any say in the education system in the U.S., we got to be pushing the entertainment industry because we're one of the only countries that are like, we are unmatched in terms of media, in terms of music industry, like the United States, the U.K., Australia, like South Korea, Japan, and I would say like Iceland. I'll have really important music scenes there. And there are so many other ones and it's, there just needs to be more protection is all I have to say. There has to be way more protection for artists everywhere because nobody will, no other country nor no other like business is going to be able to top what, what other music industry stuff is doing. I mean, hypnosis made like 1.7 billion dollars or trillion or whatever the number was i was like that's stupid (laughs) that's stupid insane like that's that's so crazy yeah to think of like music is worth so much Mm -hmm. and we never think about it we discourage young people from going into the industry and we should totally be encouraging them to because it funds everything exactly exactly i think a really good example of this is what we saw in the pandemic because like artists had such a hard time getting any kind of financial support whether that be like unemployment or grants or anything and this was the lat the drop dead last thing to come back and they were so just unsupported there was a lot of depression. There was a lot of like mental illness because because they couldn't go out and play shows. They couldn't see their friends. They they couldn't even see their bandmates because there was too much concern over like getting sick. So I think right there is the best example of why we need some kind of infrastructure to support, as you said, this multi billion dollar industry. Totally, and it's like it's not even just like artists too. It's like every single person, like managers. Even the people who work in the stadiums, people who work in the arenas and the concert venues and the people who supply the food for those shows and supply, like it's every single part is particularly the California infrastructure. It's like connected to everything. If you have an artist play in what's the field over there, I I can only think of the Chicago one, the Dodger stadium, that one. If you have an artist play there, you're bringing in probably like pounds and pounds of food. You're bringing in thousands of people to work. You're bringing, you're bringing in more people because there's more people that need the gas station or more people who are going to be staying the night in hotels. Like it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's such an important industry. I don't know. I just, I want to 
say like don't ever give up on the music industry because there's definitely a place for you in it you just never realize what role you can take up that was a very like roundabout way of saying don't give up on your dreams but no such an important thing to say because like you said a lot of cases people will, will try and talk you out of it if you say oh i'm a musician they'll say okay so what's your real job I think there's always that discouragement yeah. because there's the fear that, oh, it's not going to work out. There's no money in it. You should give up and do and do something more sensible or more secure, as if anything secure, in the middle of a global pandemic. I know. It's like, okay, you really want me to go, like, switch career fields right now? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ugh. Listen, Be an I accountant. That's really contract safe. Last year, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's not the same. Exactly, exactly. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Uh, let's um, uh, switch gears here for a second because I want to ask about the folks that uh, that you've worked with. Now you've worked with a number of different producers and writers. Way too many for me yeah. to list today. What do you makes a good working partnership? How do you know if if working with like person X is going to actually pan out? Honestly. This is going to sound cheesy, but uh, the people that they pair me with at hypnosis is usually a pretty good sign. I don't know how they figure it out, like how we always get so intimate with like the production of music and the creation of it versus like the actual music itself. Um, So like, for example, they paired me up with Teddy Geiger. She is one of my favorite collaborators. I love her. I want to do everything with her. And I think she feels the same way. She's such an incredible person to work with because she wrote, she wrote so many of the songs that I loved when I was a kid. Like she wrote all of the Sean Mendes songs. I was like a sophomore in high school when that came out. That was such an important song to me. Like, I forget which one I was treat me better. Yeah. Treat me better was like, such an important song because it was the first like really big guitar song that I had heard in like a minute after like the Chainsmokers and like Camila Cabello and Fifth Harmony were like the thing at that point. So being in the studio and like sitting in the same couch and like playing the same guitars, it's like definitely really surreal. And I'll have those moments when I'm in studio with Teddy and we're like super high and I'm like, dude, Like, I get so meta about it because it is like, it's so real to me that like I'm at this position now, you know, you dream about something for so long and then you get here and then it's like, you literally forget. (laughs) It's really cool too. I don't know. (laughs) Are there any other folks that you're like, uh, you're eager to work with? Um, I want to work with Ross Golan really bad. Um, I've been talking to Ethan Gruska about working with him um coming up in the fall my dream collaboration would be to work with uh jack Antonoff just for one song and it would be like a bleachers record and it would be amazing <laughs> i just want to like just put in some words and be like hey king let's do something <laughs> <laughs> how are you at approaching folks to ask them hey do you want to like collab on something Oh my God. I have legitimately no shame when it comes to like asking about collaboration. I feel like I'm such a, I feel like I'm such an easygoing person that like, if they leave me on red, it's like, whatever. Um, but I'll literally just go in their DMs and I'll be like, Hey, I like your music. Want to write? And they're like, okay. And then that's usually what happens. I mean, that's literally what happened with Teddy was like, I like just DM'd her and I was like, Hey, Jamie Soretta said we should meet. Um, and she was like, okay. 
and then we met and then you know started working together it was super super lucky but it wouldn't have happened if i just you know didn't dm her i feel like i like we need to grow some balls we need to like we need to do it (laughs) yeah don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing they're going to say is yeah. no. They're not going to, it's not like they're going to spend like the next year like talking shit about you online. Just DM them, ask. If they say no, move on, but at least try. Exactly. Exactly. It's like everybody is like, everybody's friends in the music industry. So, like, the last thing you want to do is like just, you know, not enjoy what you're doing. Just have yeah. fun. Yeah. Don't make it too dramatic. Just make music. It's like the best. <laughs> Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Like I'm here for fun. You know, like I did not expect this to happen. I'm here for fun. <laughs> you say that, but I mean, like music is now like your full-time job. Did you think it yeah. would actually go that far when you first uh, started out? Definitely not. <laughs> I think I released music and was thinking, oh, like that's fun. And then I was like, Oh, maybe I'll like go into management. Cause I also really like that or being a creative director. Um, but I'm glad I like didn't stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I actually do want to ask you a bit about like what it's been for you in uh, the LA scene. Have you had, a, did you get the chance to kind of get out there and kind of like be a part of the scene? Yeah. So I've actually been, I've been here a lot since I started um, writing music seriously. Um, So I was probably coming here at least like for two weeks since sophomore year of high school or a long weekend, depending on if I was still in school versus if it was like a vacation. Um, And it was so fun, like being a part of like Silver Lake and the Echo Park scene because I have an aunt who lives there. Um, it was so cool being a part of that scene pre-COVID because the restaurants were like my favorite. I felt like the coolest person ever. I started drinking kombucha like unironically. Like it was a great, it was a really great summer. The music that came out that year was also great. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2019. Mm-hmm. No, it was, yeah, 2018, 2019. It was 2018. I remember now. Yeah, that was so great. It was so fun. <laughs> what do you say is like your favorite place to go to to uh to catch a show? Um, honestly, I haven't really been in any of the venues, but I will say that the Greek theater seems so cool, and I really want to see that. Um, I also went to I went to one in the arts district, but I can't remember the name of it where I saw Holy Child. Holy Child was awesome. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So what is down the road for you? I mean, I know that the future is kind of weird right now, but what are you working on right now? Working on right now. So, um, I should be having a record coming out in October. Um, that's the goal anyway. Um, and doing a bunch of videos and a bunch of like cool content to go with it. It's definitely a very visual album. And I want to emphasize the fact that this record was really important to not only me, but all of a friends and all of my family. So um, doing a lot of stuff with that and then just working on another record that I want to have come out next summer. 
Cool, cool. Oh, uh, I also want yeah. to ask, who does uh, the cover art for your, for your work? Because it's amazing stuff. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I did the Spirits in Don't Come to L.A. one. Um, but I just usually find random artists on Instagram that I like. I'll just, like, message them and be like, hey, I like your, like, art. Would you be willing to do a cover for this song? Do whatever you want for it. And usually they're like, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> sure, why not? Like, yeah, I'll go for it. And hey. every single person I've worked with has been so nice. And I wanted to make it like a really important part that all of the artists are either LGBT or um, women. So, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be very inclusive with all of it. So, like, no men. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I want to have a my goal is to have an all female team or a majority female. Nice. I dig that. Yeah. The music industry is like 99% man, I think. And I mean, we've been pumping out great music for years, but some of my favorite music has always been women led stuff. So, you know, praying. Uh, hell yeah. Who you listen to right now? Yeah. Oh my God. So many people. Um, okay. Lord, of course why not um i've been listening to mitski i just updated my playlist yesterday um i've been listening to the white album by the beatles a lot mm -hmm. like at least once a month i pull like one song from it and i'm like this is this is good i forgot about this one and then <laughs> it'll just continuously end up in my in my monthly playlist um just a lot of like folky rock stuff it's definitely a very different direction than like my music has been but i'm like getting more interested in writing music like it so we'll see there you go yeah. well juliana great talking to you uh definitely loving to hear more about the la scene because never never been, uh, been out there but maybe someday you never know definitely and in the meantime folks you go uh to julianajoy.com you can find all of her music uh streamer on spotify buy the stuff however you do it but support the artist because right now they really need it. And Juliana, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hi, this is singer Kate Eppers, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed learning more about Juliana Joy and her music. Now kick back, relax, and enjoy her new single, Don't Come to L.A. In just a moment, I'll be back with Lex talking about her new single, Naked Truth. This song touches on some very personal relationships and the lessons learned when they don't work out.
I read that this single focuses on destructive relationships. I'm kind of curious how this wound up being the subject of the song. Yes, very good question. Um, well, I was in very toxic relationships growing up. I kind of jumped relationship to relationship and never fully gave myself time to um, to heal and to get over things. But, you know, people come and go and for some reason, people kept coming into my life and it ended up in a relationship and I was never really ready to fully jump in. So that's where I kind of messed up. And that's where this song came into play, because this is that song. That's the really conversation you don't want to have with somebody. And I don't like confrontation. So I had to put it into a song. So this song is basically everything that I wanted to say to the person. And it's not that I don't want this to become, you know, I'm not in love with you. And yes, we're having fun, but I don't want to lead you on. And I know that you're feeling something more than me. And I want to tell you straight up right off the bat. So we don't have any confusion down the road and nobody's more hurt because that has happened to me as well. So <laughs> that is such a hard thing to say to someone because I've been there too, where you have to drop that bomb. And it's like, it's really uh, this is not, this is going to be a tough conversation. It's not going to be fun. You mentioned in th that this is not your strong suit in the past. Uh, what about it made it such a difficult thing to approach? I think I just don't like hurting people, but I also want to be honest and straight up. And I feel like I got caught in this, in this pickle of, you know, I really like you and I'm having fun. But you are falling harder than I am, or you see a future with me, and I don't see myself with a ring. So <laughs> it's kind of one of those things where. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I, I get you. Um, do you feel like you're like better at that now? Um, I definitely am better at it. Um, I would say so a year and a, so pretty much like right when COVID started, that was my last relationship that I had. It just ended. And COVID really made me, it forced me to be by myself. And it was really amazing for me. And just having quality time, getting to learn myself as a person, becoming independent because, you know, I, like I said, I jumped relationship to relationship. So over a year and a half now, I have been by myself, hanging out with my friends and my family and being surrounded by positivity. My music has definitely developed. I put more time into it and I really don't have any distractions. And, you know, if boys come into my life, I tell them straight up, you know, I am really, really focused on myself and we can have fun or you can take me on a date, but this isn't for the long term. And I really need, if I want to, if I want to achieve all my goals and my dreams right now, I feel like I really don't need any distractions and I need to focus on myself. So I think I have definitely gotten better at it. <laughs> nice, nice. Talking about the past relationships, did you used to define yourself by kind of who you're with? Like if you weren't with someone, did you think of yourself as like a, a complete person? No, I did not. I think I just, um, it was hard because I, I would break up with somebody and I had this time and in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm single. I finally get to focus on myself. And then somebody really cool comes along that I start hanging out with and spending a lot of time with. And that's where it kind of got tricky as I really like you and I like what's going on, but 
I'm not ready for myself to be in a relationship. And that was kind of where I got caught. So I don't feel like I necessarily was the person to be like, I have to be with a guy in order to be happy or that defines who I am. It kind of just happened like unintentionally. It just happened that way. Yeah. And I guess I kind of like your new like viewpoint where you're like, look, we can hang out. We'll have some fun, but not looking for the long haul. I think it's kind of a difficult like line to like draw in the sand because we all want to be with someone. I think like everyone seeks out companionship. So it's kind of good on you that you're like being like, no, I'm focusing on myself, focusing on the, on the career. This will be what it is. Yes, definitely. Was that a difficult place to come to? It was, especially because, you know, during COVID you are by yourself. And thankfully I moved back to Vegas. I was living in LA for four and a half years and going to school And then right before COVID, I decided to move back. It had nothing to do with COVID. It was like the end of January, 2020. And I decided to move back to Vegas. My family lives here. My friends live here. So I just had a whole support system here. And I, when all of this was happening, it was kind of like I moved to Vegas and I was started fresh. And I didn't want any of the negativity that came from LA or certain relationships that I was in to carry over into this next chapter of my life. So in one sense, it was really hard because, you know, you end a relationship with somebody that you really care about. You still, you know, you want a friendship, you want to hang out, but at the same time, you're like, no, I really need to focus on me. And it comes down to, in this part of my life, what is the most important thing? And where do I see myself in the next year, five years, 10 years from now? What does that look like? And I realized I have very big goals and dreams. And if I want to achieve them, I need to do this on my own with a really positive support system behind me. So in one sense, it was really hard, but at the same time, seeing the results and how happy I am, that is what really made it easy for me. Now, I know, of course, for artists, this uh, this past year and a half has been brutal. You know, no shows, no tours. Yes. How did you keep yourself going, like, creatively speaking? Um, so when I moved back to Vegas, like I said, I decided to build a really, really great support system here. And my choreographer, who's been my choreographer for 10 years now, his name is Joaquin Howard. And he did, he was a dancer for the Cirque du Soleil. And he does a lot of stuff here in Vegas. He works at Area 15 now. He has a sh- couple of shows over there that he's working on. So he's very connected in the entertainment world here in Vegas. So I'm very fortunate that when I went back or when I moved back here to Vegas, he kind of set me up with all his team and all his people. And so right away I had my camera crew, my hair and makeup, my stylist, I had everything I needed right at, right at the start. So I moved back in January. I think it was February that we, yeah, it was February that we shot our first music video all together as a team. And I told them, you know, I'm very much about having a strong team and I want to find the right people for my team. So if that's you, let's do this. And there's more gigs to come. Mm -hmm. So everybody was really hyped up on the first video and everybody was on this high. We had a great time. We had so much fun. The video was amazing. And then COVID hit. And everybody started losing their jobs. Everything got put on hold. But we had another music video that was scheduled. So everybody decided to put 
most of their focus actually into my project because they didn't have a creative outlet. And this gave them that creative outlet that they needed and were looking for. So even the lighting guy went above and beyond. He was sending me videos that he, he had like the whole box light put up in his house and he's watching TV and he's like, Hey, I'm just hanging out, but I'm programming all your lights right now. Here's a video. And I was just, am so grateful for my team. And they are honestly the only reason why I was able to do what I do. And it really did give us all that creative outlet because I mean, it all COVID really put us all in a rut But this is one thing that made everybody happy. And when we all came together, you know, even though we had to social distance and wear masks in the middle of summer and it's so hot in Vegas, everybody pushed through and um, and we had great shoots and I'm very, very thankful for it. So I would say kudos to my team. They made it possible. Mm -hmm. And now that we're seeing like shows resume, uh, bands are announcing tours. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like ready to get out there again, be back on stage, especially with like all the all the cases rising right now? That's a very interesting, a very interesting topic because as much as I want to go back on stage and performing is my first love. That is why I do what I do because I love to be around people and I I love to hug people. So it's really hard for me not to just go up to my fans and just hug them and. I mean, with the cases rising, I, you know, it's really hard because there's a lot of big festivals coming up, Um, especially in Vegas. I know that they're coming back and everybody's really excited. But at the same time, I feel like we really do need to be careful. Um, So if everybody is taking the right precautions, then I don't really see an issue with it. But I mean, you really don't know with all these new Delta whatever coming up and all these crazy things that they're talking about. So I it's really hard because I love performing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And especially where you say that you uh, you love uh, to hug the fans. That that would be oh. an awkward like situation to be in. Like, where it's like, hey, oh. hug. It's like, I uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that would not go over too well. I'd probably scare them. I'd just give them air hugs. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Air high five for now. Just you know, something like that. Yeah. Fist bump. Whatever, whatever works. <laughs> um, are you the kind of person to uh, like to plan your years? Do you like look ahead to like kind of like, okay, this year we're doing this, this, and this thing? Great question. Yes, I have a lot of music that I've been working on and it's really difficult for me to find which one's the best one to put out because I feel like every time I make a new song that becomes my next favorite <laughs> and then I have all these other songs. So I do have a lot of songs living in my computer and I do really like to plan everything out. Um, So I would say that I definitely have my um, releasing schedule at least six months ahead of schedule. So I am one of the planners, but I have a lot of music to release. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So um, what are you working on right now? Great question. I am excited because I got into the sync world. So sync placements is like music for TV, film, commercials, video games, that whole world. Um, and I'm kind of crossing over with my my artist project and that world. So it's been very interesting. I've learned a lot in the past two months from this new group that I'm in. And um, yeah, I went to Costa Rica and we did a whole songwriting retreat and we got we were shooting for a song in a 48 hour turnaround time. So super quick turnaround time, write it, produce it, mix, master the whole shebang. 
So um, I'm really excited for that whole new journey that I've been on. But as of my artist projects, I mean, I just finished up like what, maybe at least three new songs of my own. Um, so I'm kind of debating whether or not to release, you know, a whole collection of music or just keep the consistency with the singles and a video. Um, that's kind of something I go back and forth with every now and then. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Lex, um, uh, great talking to you. I absolutely love uh, uh, the new song, folks, The Naked Truth. You go to Life of Lex. That's lifeoflex.com. You can find all our socials, all our music. Go and check it out. And Lex, we'll be talking real soon. Thank you. Hey, this is singer-songwriter and mental health advocate Stephanie Mathias. Be sure to check out my single Hero Side, available on all platforms now, and listen to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best indie artists. All right, folks, that brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Juliana and Lex for joining me. And if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the show, it's really easy. Just message me at citywidemax at yahoo.com. Follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. To close things out, I'll be playing Lex's new single, Naked Truth. As always, keep those ears open.